Hey good people, this is your N.I. Dom, back with another reflection. And this is a personal journal for contemplative people looking to think, grow, and have impact in the world. So hey, two, three, four. That's my starting point. Two, three, four are the numbers uh, representing the heart in the Enneagram. And it's uh, it's a conversation I've been wanting to uh, process for a while um, because... Um, I really like the concept of the triad in the Enneagram. Um, it's, it's not as popular, um, as the subtypes. And that just could be the circles that I move about, um, in online regarding the Enneagram. But in the world that I move about in, uh, in the Enneagram, there's not a lot of talking about the, the tri-type. Um, but I find that, it helps me to have more nuance and and use that system um, in a way that where I can get more mileage out of it. And so, um, in the tri-type, you take a number from each cluster. The Enneagram has nine personality types, and there are uh, three clusters, uh, three groupings based on three emotions. And so, um, uh, my dominant type is an eight. And that comes from the anger uh, cluster, or the the emotion, the cluster that's sent, centered on anger. My second number, as I feel really comfortable saying, is a five. Um, and that comes from the head cluster. And the emotion is fear. And it's that third n- number that... Um, I don't really know. Like, And maybe this is why people don't talk about the... The triad, um, the tri-type, because I I tell people I'm an eight five three um, out of the heart cluster, and that heart cluster deals with shame. And I don't even study it. I had to go look that up before hitting the record, record button. That the emotion in that heart cluster is about shame and trying to mitigate that. Um, I normally say when I'm talking to people eight five three. It makes sense to me that out of the if I'm going to pick that third uh, number, which is would be third in my if you're going to call it a stack, so it's not as strong. I would say I'm with three, but then there are times when the four calls my name, like for as a third number. I'm like, huh? Um, and then I begin to think about does that number third number does it have to be fixed? And if it's not fixed, what if in actuality you, there's movement? And that sometimes I do heart work as a three, sometimes I do heart work as a four, and sometimes I do heart work as a two. So I'm just here to process that. So this is probably going to be really type heavy. <laughs> so those of you who listen, who are with me because of the Myers Briggs, you um, stick around um, and give the Enneagram a shot. And if you are an Enneagram enthusiast, and if I get it wrong, any of it wrong, it will not hurt my feelings. You send me a message and help a sister out, right? (laughs) So anyway, hey, if you're new to this project, this is a personal journal where I process my inner and my outer worlds. I do so by using personality theory. The two theories I use the most are the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram. Pushing those two systems together, I identify as an INTJ8. I also identify as an African-American woman from a lower socioeconomic background and from intergenerational trauma. I'm a trained and practicing educator and social scientist. 
psychologist of about 30 years. Let me say that differently. I'm a trained and practicing social scientist and educator of about 30 years. Half of that time has been in leadership. Politically, I lean into tenets of critical race feminism, which basically means I have an intellectual sensitivity to social constructs around power, such as race, class, gender, sexuality, just to name a few. This project is unedited and is unscripted. To know more about it or me, feel free to go to my website at yournidom.wordpress.com. So, we are on, I'm going to do a little housekeeping. We are in the last day of the season. I'm wrapping up season seven. My goal um, is to do 25 episodes a season. And it looks like my counting was off. So I just did an episode this morning entitled, I, it was, I'm, now I'm worried if I, if I worded it wrong, but it was supposed to be titled, The Grass, The Needle, and The Hell Yes. I hope I didn't say the green, the needle, and the hell yes. It's supposed to be, so I have to fix that. But it, um, and basically the episode was just about, you know, I've been really wrestling um, this season with this concept of social. Um, there are some goals that I have um, in terms of I'm trying to design my, sec- my, I'm in the second half of life and I'm trying to live, like design living um, in the solo podcast community they talk about you know designing your relationship well I listened to a book um in June that talked about designing your life not just your uh, relationship and and so I like this idea of design living and um maybe I'll do an episode on that but um so that's what I'm trying to do trying to design my living and take ownership of it and I'm doing pretty good. I stepped out this season to do, um, to, to do some, get back into my entrepreneurship. And, um, it's bumpy and, and exhilarating and scary. Um, but I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm embracing the fear. I'm embracing the, the bumps. Um, yeah, there, I, I'm enjoying everything about it. Even when I kind of, second guess myself and like oh is is this what I should be doing I even love that part of it it really is speaking to me um what is not what I'm struggling with is the part of the life that I'm trying to design there's a social component the first half of life for me was all about work and um and that's not the design life that I want I don't want to do that again and so I think that's one of the reasons why I've been so reluctant to get back into entrepreneurship because when I did it before it consumed me and all I had room all I had room space for was to to do the business and um, I just have not wanted to do that so I've really have been dragging my feet and so um, at the in season six at the beginning of the year I was talking consistently about being in two storms and those two storms just told me I don't have a choice like, I don't have a choice, I'm and I'm 52 years old, you know, there's an expression, either piss or get off the pot, and so, it's okay, if it's okay, it is okay if I don't do entrepreneurship, I mean, I genuinely feel that in my soul, but I can't keep talking about it, though, either I'm going to do it or I'm not, and, um, and I genuinely believe that the life that I truly want is a life that I design, and so, I, not that I won't be in storms anymore, but I don't want to be in storms like I, like I was in um, 
like I'm in when I'm doing employment. It, you know, and then every once in a while, a thought will pop up and go, well, maybe you just didn't find the right job. And that's possible. And I'm okay with that. I'm, like I said, I'm okay with constantly interrogating that. But in the meantime, <laughs> I think what I am very confident in is that what I'm very confident in and very sure about is that um, there is a, a a thing that I've been masterminding. There's a mission that I have in life. There's a purpose. And that is a non-negotiable. So at best, you know, that I will, I shouldn't say at best, maybe I will do, I'll be bivocational and I'll have a business and I'll have a um, a job or I'll just have the business, the mission. Um, so I'm vacillating between those two. Uh, but very comfortable there. What I'm not yet um, clear about, or just I want I want to say confident about, but the episode I just did, I have a little more confidence. But as of when I, if you would have talked to me yesterday, the whole social is it is a challenge for me because um, there's a people side to it, and um, I don't think I don't think I've confronted that. Because I usually do people, I usually do, I guess you could say I've done people in three ways. Maybe, maybe four. But my primary way of doing people is through work. Um, I don't know. I would love to say all, most INTJs, but I don't know if this is true. But when you talk, when you hear, when you go online and you look at INTJs and what do they do for a living, most of the time it's analytical and, and it's about like numbers or technology, engineering, or at least that's how I see it. Um, but I, I do all of the, I do the numbers, I do the analysis as an INTJ, but I do it within the scope of people, service of people as an, as an, either an educator, um, even when I'm doing leadership, that's all about um, moving moving a group of people into a particular destination, typically around achievement. Um, and then as a social scientist, I have a little more distance with people because I'm studying patterns. I'm looking at patterns, but it's still focused on patterns with people <laughs> in the social world. And so um, in the Enneagram, I'm an eight. And then this, in that, if you look at the Enneagram in terms of subtypes, um, I'm a social eight first and then I'm self-preservation and then sexual um, and so that's just kind of how I've made sense of being an INTJ that does analytical work inside of the social domain so that is how I've done people and when I am doing my work I am satisfied socially I'm my people bucket is full and I can come home and I I just kind of I don't want to say hi. I just kind of go inward. When I'm not doing that, um, the second way I've done people is through my family. And this is not good. I mean, if obviously, because I've wrestled, you know, just confronting the trauma um, and loving my family as I do and still trying to make sense of the uh, trauma. I think the so that's one part of it. But I think the other part of it is that I've, I've really have come to terms that I've done intimacy work through family. And so I don't have a huge appetite to go out and meet people and just do that work of getting to know people and 
Oh my gosh, it's it's laborious. The give and take and getting to understand them and having them understand me. And, you know, I think about this thing that my heart coach is asking me to do. She's asking me to advocate for myself with people. And I just prefer not to. Either you're going to be what you're going to be. You're going to be what I need you to be or you're not. And I'm going to move on. I am not going to sit and like, can't, um, I just, I'm not interested in that. And I've been really thinking about it um, a lot. And I can understand why she's asking me to advocate for it. And I think there's a, there's a, there's a small window when I'm like, okay, I've been trying to do this self-advocacy, which is really weird because in, in any other part of my life, I do not have a problem with advocating for myself. And I may have um, said this to you already, but um, when it comes to intimacy, I don't do a lot of advocacy. It's either you have it or you don't. And I think that that's just because growing up in a space that I did where I was trying to advocate for my needs and never, never, I mean, it was just a waste of time. And so um, self-preservation aids don't spend time trying to reason with you. You know, it's like, I need what I need. I'm going to get what I'm going to get. And I'm going to move around. Either you're going to do it or you're not. So I'm not a self-preservation eight first, but I am second. And so I might say, if you and I are in a friendship or a relationship and you do something that does, you know, where it doesn't match my needs or my likings or my value or whatever, I may say, hey, you know that thing that you did? And if you then justify it, rationalize it, project back, you know, project onto me, I'm done. I'm done. Now, what I've done, being done today is different from being done in my 20s in my 20s and a good portion of my 30s when I when I realized that a person didn't have to offer me what I felt like I wanted or deserved I just was done with them I just shut the door but now I'm doing something different I don't I shut the door but I don't leave them I'm still there but I'm like, inwardly, I'm shut off. Like, oh, you've already shown me that you can't do it? Okay. So then I've talked about this. I don't know if I, I don't think I've talked about this a lot, but I wrote this poem um, um, that really talked about how I have learned to be okay when a person can't give me what I need. I find out you can't give it to me. And I just then learned to align myself with what you can give. And if you can give a small part, then I'll take a small part of me and connect to that small part of you. <laughs> it doesn't make for a really meaningful connection. And it definitely doesn't allow for intimacy. But it's it makes sense for me. So my heart coach is trying to push me in that arena. And I'm here to be pushed. I don't know. I don't know how much, you know, I'm going to let you push me. But. For the most part. Well, that's what has happened. And so anyway. So I'm just around like, oh, it, it almost is kind of like I'm there as a ghost. Like I'm there. But I'm not. I'm like, a, it's like being the shell of myself. And that's not cool. That's not that's not how I want to spend my time. Now, I, I think with my family. I think as a, as a coping mechanism because 
some people when they come from intergenerational trauma they just leave their families and period and I it's just not something I want to do I love my family um, and I I on most days believe that they love me as, as they love me now it's not the kind of love I want and I but I'm not doing intimacy I'm not doing intimacy with my family as I used to but in the grand scheme of things that's about as intimate as I am with people so it's, it's kind of this, it's like a it's like a contradiction um, because on one hand I'm not doing intimacy work with my family because I, I didn't have to do the work before I just showed up and that was my intimacy to whatever they had to give I was there I were I would wrestle with them as I could I don't think I moved the needle as a matter of fact I exasperated things I made them frustrated because I was always trying to push and explain and you know, then either I'm being upset with them or I'm being upset with me. I'm beating up on them or I'm beating up on myself. But that was how I did intimacy. And coming from trauma, that's love. The chaos, the pain, the anger. And that's just how I did intimacy. So now as I'm, you know, striving to be healthier and more fulfilled and I'm on that self-actualization track for whatever it's worth, it's a that's a framework that I like and it speaks to me and yeah that's I'm continuing to strive to be on that and one of the things um about that framework is belonging and um we all have a need to belong um but my belonging ship s-h-i-p has been complicated because of my first experience with intimacy with family and so as I went into the world to make friends, I made friends that mirrored the kind of, I made friends that offered the kind of intimacy that my fam, that I had with my family. And I would say in my 40s, it, it started, I, I became awakened to it in my mid to late 30s, but I started practicing that intimacy differently in my 40s. Um, and all of, you know, all of the people I had, I was doing intimacy with, those relationships fell off because that, I wasn't, I wasn't fostering that type of intimacy anymore. It wasn't, it just wasn't the kind of intimacy that spoke to me and a well and being well and healthy. Okay. So I, I've done a really, I'm, I mean, I'm really proud of myself. I've done a really good job of saying no to um, pain-based intimacy, chaotic, chaos-based intimacy. I don't, that is not what I want to do. I've talked about that before. Nothing, that's not new. I'm proud of that. That's not what I'm working on anymore. And I know that I've mastered that because of a couple of people who've come in my life in the last year or two. And I've drawn some boundaries like, no, 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 we're not, I'm not doing that. And I can say affirmatively, I know what that is. That's very familiar. I don't, I don't need to be curious about it. I don't need to like, I'm going to work with you. I'm going to give you feedback. I'm not doing that. Now, I'm also very proud that I can assert myself. And then, if it doesn't work, it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't work. I'm not going to continue to do that advocacy and so this is this is the part that's challenging me when I think about my heart coaching you got to learn to advocate for yourself I, I don't think that I genuinely 
overall i genuinely don't think that's a problem i genuinely don't um because i i will i think and this is genuinely how i feel about it and i think that there's something um is the word sadist sadist sadistic i don't even know the word but there's something pleasurable about having somebody um continuing to pull on you for something that you're not giving them i think it's i and i think it goes back to power and so i and i do i i i genuinely feel like my heart coach learns from if i if i'm going to continue to like tell her what she's doing wrong and tell her what i need over and over again I think that in some way that feeds her and I'm not going to explain that because she would deny it. And my subjectivity, my truth is that it feeds her. She's human. It's interesting when she'll tell me that when she brings up her humanity, when I bring up her humanity and be like, well, you're not perfect. You're human. No, but when she needs to defend herself and bring up her humanity and just, um, I'm, I'm, I'm really over that. Um, somebody that I know just started therapy and it, and it's, it's, it, it, I have really had to, I'm just going to be, it's going to be interesting to see where I'm at in a year or two, because I definitely, definitely believe therapy is important. I'm still very much an advocate. But I, I also would not tell somebody to just run and get a therapist just because. And then putting the work in the hands of the therapist. I don't think a therapist should drive the work. I think they can co-drive. I think you can go, let me say it differently. I think you can go to a therapist and have them, and there's something specific you want them to drive in, very specific. And you tr- you outsource that thing for them to drive. I'm okay with that, believe it or not. But that's limited. But you're not bringing them into your life and and all of your wellness, your emotional, mental wellness there in the driver's seat. Absolutely not. Now, and not many people, have, not people do the work where they can go in and say to a therapist, I want you to drive here in this spot. And most therapists are going to say they don't want you to, they don't want to drive for you. And so I don't know if driving is the right matter, way to, right word but anyway anyway so I don't have a problem with like um saying hey this is what I need but to be in a relationship where I have to continue to ask for that and continue to teach you and give you no 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 and no Mm -mm. so no and um and so but I think that this even just what I processed so far in this reflection I think that's interesting because I do remember being younger and, um, yeah, just with just, I, I would do a door slam. <laughs> that was before that word, that was a word, but I would do a door slam. I'm done. I don't have time for it. And I don't even think I told people what the door slam was about, but I think, I think I did like say, Hey, I don't think I've made myself vulnerable in when I was giving the feedback. Like I may have been analytical and t- like somebody did something I didn't like. 
I didn't bring it back to my feelings like, oh, you hurt my feelings when you do that. No, I probably was analytical and and that's probably where I was in my one self in the Enneagram where I'm like, this is the way you're it's supposed to be. <laughs> but no, I, I didn't I didn't I didn't I didn't give it to them in a vulnerable way. And um, and I didn't repeat. I didn't I wasn't on repeat. And now that I have somehow been exposed to some values around life, long term friendships. Because I see people who have those long term friendships and I, I'm like, oh, that's so nice. Or a long term relationship. You're, there's no way you're going to be in a long term relationship and you don't talk things out and you don't advocate for yourself and you don't negotiate. Like, that's not realistic. So I think that's something I'm like, okay, I want to be able to, you know, I want to be able to do it, but I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be laboring. I'm just not. Um, but the flip side of it is, and, and, uh, you know, sometimes people ask me who my ex and I, like, who did the breakup? And it's an interesting question. So I, I, it's fascinating when people ask that question, like, what difference does it make? But my answer is, my answer has typically been, in two stages like the breakup happened in well three or four stages (laughs) it was a mess but if I when I talk about the breakup being in two stages this is what I said I say my ex initiated the breakup and I reinforced it so once my ex initiated it and I tried to talk this out I was like, okay, this is what it is. And then I got the sense that there was some foul play happened, that there was an agenda for some foul play. And I, now if you say, if you say it's over, it's over, right? Like if you say you're sure it's over, it's over. I'm not effing around with that. Like that we're not going to do. So then when I think broader and I say, oh, it could have happened in three stages because that had happened before. And I'd never really made the connection. Not, 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 I don't make it consistently that my ex was, had done some breaking up behaviors before. And I didn't pursue. I didn't chase the individual. But when that individual was like, um, I wanted to come and check on your car, you know, do something in service. And I was like, okay, like, okay, you're, you're done. You're done testing me. Cause it was like a test. It was like an act of manipulation unlike an act of control. I want something. I'm not getting it. So let's do a breakup. And then I'm like, and I didn't, what's the word? Capitulate. I didn't give into it then. And then when you're done pouting or doing whatever you're doing and you're ready, then okay. And I allowed that us to gravitate back into being in a relationship. Well, this time, no, it was done. I moved out of the house. We lived together. I moved out of the house. I moved out of the city and the state to make sure that we weren't going to do that. Well, we're not playing that game. So I would say, you know, that could be the answer. It was like a breakup in three. (laughs) There were like three phases of the breakup that I played this game like oh that's what you want to do you want to break up okay 
I think the last time I put, I think, and you know what? That's probably why I was so firm with the last time. Because the other times when we played this breakup game, I was like, okay, I didn't push it. I didn't try to reason. I didn't try to fight for it. I'm like, okay, because it was a game. But this last time I didn't want to play the game. I was like, come on, you know, let's, let's work through this. And the individual said they didn't want to do it. Okay. All right. And then it's, then it was firm, you know, and so I was, I was firm. I was, it was a tough place though, because, uh, and I think that's probably why I tried. I don't know. I don't want to say that. I don't want to say that. But it was tough because I had totally melded my life. Not, I would say at about 90%. And my life was like interwoven. And so that's not an easy breakup to do when you're, your life is interwoven. And I was in another 10-year relationship that our lives were um, interwoven. But that was different. <laughs> so I have to process that another time. But anyway, 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 anyway. <laughs> anyway, good grief. But I think in terms of being like negotiating for what you need, I think that in that relationship, that second 10-year relationship, you know, I, I'm not proud of this and this is not right, but there was a different breakup that I did. I knew once I, once I realized I wasn't going to get the things that I thought I deserved or I, I cut myself off. I was there. I wasn't there in the fullness though. And my ex knew that. So sometimes, although my ex did the initial, that breakup, I think that was in response to the fact that I had already shut down. And I wasn't like a shutdown. I think it was just like, okay, this is how we're going to, this is what the relationship is going to be. Then, then you're not going to get that other part of me. You're not going to get that emotional part of me. So anyway, <laughs> that's not how I want to spend the last day of 2023 thinking of talking about my ex. So that's, but I just think the whole idea of advocating for yourself and, 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 and that's just something that's been on my mind, like it doing intimacy work, how much of intimacy work requires for you to advocate and advocate and advocate. I don't know. I'd be very interested to hear what you guys think. I'm just not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. It's like the conversation I had with my guy friend yesterday. You have to go back and listen to the episode I did earlier today. But um, he asked me, like, are you going to, do you want to get another relationship? Like, what do you, I was like, nope, I'm fine. <laughs> and it's crazy because it's not completely true because I'm on the dating apps. I'm more on the dating apps in this last year than I have been on in the, since the five, six years since I've been out of that relationship. So I'm trying, I guess, but I don't think I'm, I think something is just different about me. I think that, I think it comes across. So I've met people on the line and just, it's just, and like I told the guy yesterday, I said, there's just things I'm not going to do. I have no appetite. I have no appetite to do it. I don't know what that means. One thing that my heart coach did say that I thought, I think it was powerful she just recently said that about a week ago. And she said, um, I don't want to give off her business, but 
she was living a certain life. And then when she realized that that life wasn't for her anymore, she went all out into this other life and, and, and just like, just was put it on blast and any kind of symbols that she could wear that would represent this new life, her views, you know what I mean? Any kind of groups, any kind of movements, any kind of clothing, hairstyles, like everything about her was communicating to the world. I'm not in that world life anymore. I'm in this life. And then my um, heart coach says that now she lives somewhere in the middle. Like she's not living that old life, but she's not all on full blast communicating to the world. Look at me. Look at the new life I'm in. And so she compared that to kind of where I'm at, that I was, I was in a world before that was colored um, in turn colored. <laughs> oh boy. I'm not going to follow that rabbit hole. I'm just going to let that comment go. And you just have to, just have to ignore it. Um, but this where intimacy and love and, uh, you know, it was, was flavored with this pain and chaos and confusion and trauma because that was the world. And now I'm not having that world at all. And so I'm so loud about it. I'm loud. I'm, I'm um, very assertive, very in your face, you know, um, and it's so funny because I went through this phase of trying to sanitize the eight part of me. And that's where I start looking like a one or I go into a five. Um, And I'm talking about heart right now, even though I'm not yet connecting it to those numbers. I'm giving you the context of the heart situation, just so you don't know the relevance to how I started the reflection, even though I gave myself permission to just move about. Um, but anyway, um, and so now I'm not having, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to have any residue of that old life, of that old type of intimacy. And, oh, I went through a phase where then I, I think this is the whole the shell of myself where I'm going to be in like a shell. I'm going to be here, but I'm, I'm not really here. Cause I'm not, I'm not going to get down with that, but I'm not going to do the door slam either. Or I'm going to try to be really nice to you. And I'm going to be nice to you. And that, I'm going to model to you. This sounds so type one. My goodness. I'm going to model to you the way you should be to me and like I just had to tell somebody that yet the other day you can model you can model just because you model it does not mean it's coming back and I had to learn that the long way I won't say it was a hard lesson but it was a long lesson right because I went like from door stand you know and I'm very I've been confrontational but I think as an INTJ I'm never going to spend all my energy and emotions right I think that's the difference about me as an eight as an INTJ eight I'm never really going to just linger there I've, I've, I just have serious little desire but if it's a moment oh I would confront I mean I would um and then I'm not <laughs> I just am so now I'm just back at a, I'm in a place now where I am not I'm not entertaining that you clap I'm clapping back before I was just like, and, and I think I was just like, I'm not dealing with it. No, I'm not going to deal with it, but I'm going to clap back <laughs> just for the sake of it. And 
I I don't think I'm going to live there forever because even just talking about it out loud doesn't that doesn't feel like me. But to my heart coach, excuse me, to her point is that you go from one extreme to the next to find your middle. And as a matter of fact, um, what's his name? Not Stephen Covey. Tony Robinson, I believe he said this. I think it was him. It was somebody that said, in order to grow, you have to go from one end of the spectrum to the other. You have to stretch yourself beyond all the way to the end just to find your middle. You don't just go from one spot to the middle. You don't. You have to really stretch yourself. So that's what my heart coach said she did. And she was wondering if that's kind of what I'm doing now. And I'm like, probably I like that. I like that a lot. So anyway, it'll be interesting to see what my middle is. And I actually think I'm probably moving. I'm, I'm not too far off from moving in that direction. I think I have a little ways to go, but. But anyway, so I just am not doing that anymore. And so all of this talk of like, okay, let me say this one other thing before I start trying to, I'm actually going to start like bringing it all together, believe it or not. Um, I think one thing that really, really magnified this need to do social in, as a part of my design living is the solo podcast, the solo community. Because I, I don't want to do intimacy in the traditional monogamous elevator way. I, I, I don't know. It'll be, it'll be so interesting to see where I am in a few years. But as of now, I just don't want to do it. I don't want to ever merge with another person to that extent. I, I, there's nothing about that that seems appealing to me. Nothing. And I can even see me, I guess I could see me living with a person in a big house where we have, <laughs> we have like wings in a house, you know? I don't, I don't, no. Like I, we could have a shared bedroom. And then we got a separate, you got a separate bedroom. I got a separate bedroom. And then we got this one, that we, whatever. That's probably waste. But so the pragmatist in me, like trying to save on money, that's still appealing to me. right? So to be with somebody, we just going to save on expenses. And we, uh, that's still a very appealing to me because I'm just not down with, like when you think about the cable bill, I'm going to pay for the full cable just for one person. And you can have multiple people in the house to split the cable bill just from, you know, for practical reasons. Um, sharing a house is a that is appealing to me, but that doesn't mean I'm we're merged as one. Uh uh-uh. it'll be it'll be really interesting. So, in that world, that's there's polyamory where you have multiple loves, and then there's this. Once I got introduced to what's called solo poly, in in the summer, I was like, I just have been sold on it so much where I talk about it to people. But here's the here's the problem with that framework. It, it speaks to me. I think it is me all day, every day. I truly believe I could be in a solo poly. I could have a solo poly lifestyle where I am in my primary, I am my primary partner. And then I'm in these secondary relationships and they could be secondary romantic and they can be secondary um, platonic and I'm I'm even trying to toy around with the idea of having secondary sexual but 
Oh no. You know, we got some we got some real work to do in that department. But like if you know, that sounds cool. It sounds cool. I don't know if it's me, but it sounds cool. But anyway, so I was just talking about um So when the, my friend yesterday asked me like, "Do you want to do it?" I'm like, "Yeah, I I I'd love to love and be loved. I want to have intimacy. I do." I don't I don't think I'm done with that. I'm just done with it in terms of these old maps, these old models that don't work. They just don't work for me. And it makes zero sense to try to force myself into an old map, an old model. I explained to um, my friend, I said, or somebody recently, you know, it's like saying, I'm going to go to Canada. And the map to get, there's a map to get, that we found to get to Canada from 50 years ago. That, more than likely, that map is not going to get us to Canada. Because the roads, more than likely, are different. There's some differences there, right? But that's how, that's what that monogamous map, that um, um, relationship escalator map is. And if you are not from the solo community, let me explain to you what I mean. So uh, the, the the relationship escalator is where you you meet, then you date. This is some there are different variations of, but this is roughly it. You date, then you get serious, you 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 fall in love, you meet each other's family, you move in together, you get married, you you have a baby or you have a house. But there there's this progression, and what I love about the poking that and this is so true and I even wonder about this with my ex I wonder with both of them maybe but I don't know definitely I think about this with my ex like one of the things I argue that I heard in that solo community of the podcast they say hey see we're going along on this relationship escalate we're going up and up and up we're getting we're getting more and more um, interwoven intertwined if you will until we hit a level that doesn't work for us and then we start fighting or something happens instead of going oops that's not the level for us let's go back a level or go let's go back two levels that relationship escalator only allows you to go up it doesn't allow you to adjust and go back and that's sexy as hell to me to be like wait we did really well at this level let's go back to that but if if we were if if there was never a if that earlier stage was never about the stage it was always as a prelude or a precursor to the other the advanced stages then then you're probably not going to go back but just the concept of it so I yeah I want to do that now as I'm talking to people about being solo poly and um where I'm on the relationship escalator with my damn self <laughs> right and uh everybody else is secondary and I, we can have love we can have intimacy we can have commitment I had to explain to him. I was trying to talk this to my friend yesterday, and he was just saying, "Oh, you want an open relationship? You don't want to be committed to anybody." I said, "No, that's not what I'm saying at all. Open being polyamorous is still about you. It's still being non-monogamous. Is still being um, committed. You you know, you still have commitments. <laughs> you know, it's just." You're just not following that old map. And so 
But to the point, the point I'm trying to make is that I don't know. I've been wondering if that philosophy is from a place of privilege. And I naturally want to say racial privilege, but I know that there are people of color that are in non-monogamous relationships and in open relationships. I know that. But then I then it makes me think about privilege as a way it relates to resources and opportunity. And oftentimes re- resources and opportunity are aligned to the racial elite. So that's what makes it about race because of the access the racial elite has. And I'm thinking, well, because the people in my world, they don't, it's not like I'm meeting somebody and they're like, oh, let me tell you. All of the non-monogamous people I know are white. Now, again, I definitely know. That's not true. I I dated somebody who now is living a a non-monogamous life. Um, Yeah, that's interesting. I just... uh, And my other guy friend that I went and had brunch with two days ago, um, I just learned that him and his wife are doing some kind of openness now and I was so and he's black and I was so excited like oh my gosh oh my gosh I was so excited (laughs) I was like tell me more tell me more and I was just having brunch with him so anyway so yeah that was really I'm really and I'm so proud of him but he's always been open-minded there's some things he did in the past that were like I'm like oh yeah but anyway my point is this whole idea of living this Solo poly life is one I think that will require resources and um, resources and um, opportunity, and I I definitely don't live in that world, so I now have to build that world, and that's that's just work. It's work, and it's going to require me, and it's going to require me to do more people, right? And that that then brings me to the Enneagram heart cluster. So I, I, I'm very interested in, I'm very just interested in growing in the heart area. I want to be able to do heart where it doesn't feel laborious and it doesn't have to be excessive. I want to do INTJ eight related heart. I don't want to do my sister who's ISF. I don't want to do the heart the way she does it. I don't want to do it the way my my mom does it. I don't want to do it with, you know, I want to do heart in a way that is related to me. And so that makes me curious about what is the heart work that is related to me. So I just went to the Enneagram and said, like, let's just, let's play here. Let's just explore those three numbers, the, the two, the three, and the four. And so I hit the record button to start this reflection. And then I'm like, oh, my gosh, you really have never studied the heart. That heart clustering, you know, not enough to talk about it the way I want to. So anyway, I did. A, I don't have my, my Enneagram book or books with me. I'm actually in the car. I forgot to mention that to you all in the recording from earlier. But I'm down looking at a large body of water. It's just making me It just feels good just to look at endless water. And um, so what was I going to say? So the Enneagram, uh, the heart cluster is the core emotion is shame. I thought it was loneliness. 
the fear of loneliness. But according to the article I read, it's about shame. When I get home and I go to my source, the, the lady who I think is the expert, I'm going to see what it is. I, I thought it was loneliness. But when I went to the internet, they said the core emotion is shame. Being good enough. And how each number in the cluster responds to that emotion is what gives it variance. So I'm in the anger cluster as an eight. Eights are not bashful and timid by their anger. Um, I think it's going to look different depending on your relationship to emotions in general. But we're not, eights are not afraid to be, to be angry. Um, nines are conf- are concerned they don't know what to do with it they try to distance themselves from it altogether and then ones try to clean it up they try to be a cleaner acceptable version of of anger they don't want it to be angry they like i'm frustrated i'm perturbed so each number deals with the core emotion in different ways so now that i'm thinking about it, i really haven't studied the head cluster i know fives I know how five do, the 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 emotion in the head cluster is fear. I know a lot about the five because it's a part of my tri-type. but I don't know. And I know I understand. I'm I'm understanding six a little bit because my heart coaches a six, just because I've got to just understand how we align and how we um, how we converge and diverge. But I don't know. I know I know what the seven is on the surface, but I don't really know how that manifestation of the seven, how it relates to the core emotion of fear. Anyway, but getting to the heart, uh, this heart cluster, apparently, according to this website, the, the core emotion is shame and being good enough. And we're good enough. And so twos deal with that issue of being good enough by serving others. I'm going to. I'm, I'm going to serve you so that you need me and your need for me makes me, I'm now going to, my worth and value will be established because you need me when I serve you. So then the three, which is really interesting because they say out of the three numbers, that three is the one that you don't even understand. It's about heart because they're going to establish their worth by being there, it's going to be about value and about accomplishing status and accomplishments. And then the four is dealing with heart by saying, look at how, look how unique I am. I'm different. I'm not like the others. And I'm valued. I'm valuable because I'm, I'm, I'm worthy because I'm so unique. <laughs> Even when I suffer, I'm just so unique. <laughs> And so that's that's just a really powerful framework to have. Like when people do hard work, what is the motivation? Let's just start there. When people are doing hard work, what is the motivation? Right? There, there's something that they're trying to get. I, I really believe that. They're trying to get back. And so I am going to care for you and make you indebted to me. Um. Um, I'm going to achieve and, and make you and, and, and make you see me as valuable and you want to be like me and or I'm going to be like, I'm just going to be in my own little bubble because I'm so unique. You can't touch me. 
I'm going to pad myself with individuality. Again, you guys, if I have that off and you're an expert in Enneagram, you know, uh, welcome to correction, okay? So I just was thinking about what am I going to do? What have I done with the heart? What have I done with the heart? I, uh, I think... I think for the most part, I have vacillated between the three and the four. And I more than likely I could, I leaned on, on the three more than the four. If you, if, if the try, if the try type, if that framework is a real framework and that third cluster is heart and, and then, you know, which, which, how have I done heart? I think it's been primarily, um, three. But I think four comes in, you know, and look at it. When you look at the Myers-Briggs, I'm T-E-F-I. I align that T-E to achievement because it's like, what's the value? What does the outer world say the value is? And then I'm going to do that. And I'm going to do it well, right? Now, I'm not T-E Dom, but I am T-E second auxiliary, right? And so I am, you know, I, I got a competitor in me. But most of the time when I'm competing, I'm competing with myself. And one of the things I had to come to terms with, I'm such a creator and my creative, my creativity has allowed me to have status. But I never knew I was going after. I never thought I was going after status. I thought I was going after creativity. And some of that creativity is grounded in my uniqueness, my individuality and my suffering. Right. So there's the four. Which is also, when I think about individuality, F-I. And because the T-E-F-I, they're stacked and they're pushed together in the middle, that we, that's what they say, you toggle between those two, then it would make sense that I would toggle between the, the three and the four. I'm, I know I'm pushing these systems together. But then I toggle between the three and the four. Okay, part, let's put a pin in that for a second. Then, when I be, got into leadership, well, you can't be a leader and be competing. Well, that's not. Well, you shouldn't. There are very bad leaders out there. But as a leader, you should not be competing with your quote-unquote subordinates. You're not. You're supposed to help your your people who are under you to be better than you. You're supposed to take care of them and help them. And so that was a hard lesson for me because I've never had to take care of anybody, technically. Because I don't have kids. The closest I had to do would, would be my, my person and my sister. And that per, having to take care of my person was not something I wanted to do. I was manipulated into doing it. So it wasn't like, but I definitely have always wanted to take care of my sister. Um, you know. Yeah, that's all. That is just the role I've played until I didn't play it anymore. Until she didn't, she didn't need me in that way. And so that's I've already processed that. I'm not going to open that up. But anyway, but that's the extent of it. And where people have a desire to have babies and all that, like I never said I wasn't going to have babies, but I never really wanted to be responsible for a baby by myself. I really wanted to. Like we can be in a relationship and I don't want to be the, I don't want to be the primary caregiver. <laughs> so that's not something I had a desire to do. 
just never had a desire to do that. So anyway, that's interesting. Um, so, but when I got into leadership, then I had to, I had to care for the people that, and, and the, and my first real run at leadership was really my own business, my vision. And so the people who had, who I hired, who worked for me, they were working to further my vision. Well, I'm like, if I want, I'm, I'm protecting my vision. In order to protect my vision, now I have to protect you. So I love my vision. I got to love you to the vision. And that's where I learned that side of me. Now, I will be on. I will. I definitely think I had to recover from that. Because then when I was no longer doing that work, then I was trying to still do the I was still trying to do too. It took me a long time to come out of that. And mainly because I still have the orientation of a leader. But just like I told my, my, my uncle on a couple of occasions, my uncle is a pastor of of a church and I, I say, I reckon, I respect you as pastor. I fully respect you as pastor. I, I even respect him as prophet, but he's not my pastor. He's my uncle. It's a different relationship. When you talk in terms of authority and power and responsibility. And I wish somebody would have said that to me about leadership. Yeah, I can have a leadership orientation, but I'm not everyone's leader. So I don't need to go through the world chewing it up with them. And I'm going to tell you what I think really the straw that broke the camel's back for me coming out of that I don't want to know if it's an illusion or just this broken frame paradigm of how to do heart with people is the the job that I had last this last earlier in the year because I'm like no 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 I'm not uh, I'm not hearting you hearting you is not my priority priority the vision is the priority Serving kids is the priority. Making sure they're well, making sure they're safe, making sure they are achieving is the priority. And if you are working towards that priority, I'm going to heart you up. So I think now that I'm not doing that heart again, I think that does allow me to get back to the fullness of me as an eight. Because I, I genuinely think I was kind of confused for a while, because of and because my work is prim, my primary way I do social and people. Then if I'm doing leadership, it, you know, I, I, it wasn't clear that when I left work, I wasn't the leader anymore. <laughs> so there's no need for me to use that too in that capacity. So I am. Um, I'm pretty certain that I'm not, I don't go to the two on a regular, but I, it does make me think about, is there a time for me to do two, to, to take care of others? And is there power associated with that? I take care of you. You take care of me. 
And I told my guy friend yesterday, not this, not the one from two days ago. I was, I, I don't know if, in, I said in the other episode, I've been with three friends, male friends over the last two days. So <laughs> I haven't mentioned the middle, the second one, the second person I've hung out with, which is interesting because I find myself reflecting on the first one and the last one I hung out with. And I need to chew on that middle one. Really, I do. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, got, I, can, I can just open that up right now. Cause I, that, anyway, that's telling me I, have, I possibly have some work to do and, uh, in my... There's something... There's a reading I'm getting in that second one. And I need to um, really pay attention to the reading I'm getting on that. Anyway, so the third one that I was with yesterday... Um, and I just... was I don't know what we were talking about, but I remember saying to him... You can model to a person all day long how you want them to treat you. I may have said this already. It does not mean that model modeling is going to ensure that they're going to give it back to you. They could just take it. They just think you're doing that for them and they don't have to return anything. My God, that sounds like my... I was going to say that sounds like like my second 10-year relationship, but... and. I'm pretty sure my ex could say that about me. So my ex was a giver when it came to gifts. That was their love language. It's not my love language. But I was also at a time of my life where I was really trying to stretch myself because I did not know how to do the heart. I did not know how to do... I was aware that the intimacy model that I had been raised with didn't serve me. So I was trying out different forms of intimacy. And so... No, those gifts, that wasn't my love language. But if that's your love language, I want to support it. But what it looked like is that it looked like I was a taker, you know, and that, and I was in a situation where financially, when I had the money, I could give gifts, lavish gifts. But then based on the, the, the life of that relationship, you know, I already told you guys I fell apart financially in that relationship. So I couldn't give any gifts. (laughs) I couldn't give any gifts. Not, not, not in that way. So I found myself giving, trying to give more heart because that's what I wanted in return. So I tried to model the thing that I want. I never got that. But it should not have taken me 10 years to realize that that person couldn't give me heart. Not the way I wanted. Uh, So it was a good lesson. It was a good lesson. It It was just a good lesson. And I don't regret that relationship. I do regret giving it 10 years, but... I don't regret that at all. Not at all. So anyway, so the this is even a good breakthrough for me in this reflection, thinking about me when I'm doing, when I've done two, it was because of the brokenness with leadership. And I think to a certain extent, not having um, because I had, I wasn't doing hard that then now I'm going to do hard and then I had a model of what that was the broken model so I think there I'm going to probably have to sit with this a little bit because I don't I don't know if I'm coming across as contradictory but I think that there were two there are two ways that I probably would have slipped into a two when I do it's not a lot but when I do but I think when I did it wasn't a healthy two let me put it that way it wasn't a healthy two outside of my work and that's important. So that feels really good. And so I do remember, and I can't tell you now, but I do remember studying what is a healthy two 
versus an unhealthy two. Like, there's a healthy eight versus an unhealthy eight. I know with the levels of health relating to an eight and a five, but not a two. So, um, but I, I don't do two a lot. Um, I definitely do three more, definitely do three more than two. And I think I do four more than two. And I think in some way I wanted, I think when I came out of that relationship and I was at rock bottom, I didn't want to jump back into doing three kind of, well, that's not true. I had some three, I I had a three agenda. I had a three agenda, but I didn't want to prioritize it. Okay, here it is. I had a three agenda. I that means I'm I've never stopped wanting to achieve, even when I slow slow down, and even when I told my dad, you know, or I had to tell people, if I never do another thing, I'm fine. I have to tell you, my half sister called me the other day, and she said something. She said this several times, and I I really want to have a conversation with her about it, so that she can believe what she can think whatever she wants but you will not bring me into that conversation I'll tell you what that was in a minute but I had to tell my dad and my aunt and my half sister that if I never achieve another thing I've already I've achieved more than many people most people you put me in a room with a a, a room of people I can work that room and and talk about my accomplishments now, the what you could say, you could say to me, well, what are you doing now? But I got you covered there, too, because I can tell you what I'm working on, right? I can tell you what I just, I can tell you what I just accomplished, right? That's so ingrained in me to, to <laughs> so I don't, but I don't know if it's about status. I think, again, for me, those accomplishments is about, it's about my TE, my N, excuse me, my NI and my TE. I have to do what I see. If my NI, my introvert intuition shows me something, I want to then, I want to bring it into fruition. I want to uh, manifest that thing. And if it so happens to give me status, that's kind of what has happened. But I did try to distance myself from the achievement. I didn't want to do relationships with that. I didn't want to get into intimate, platonic relationships as an achiever. And so there was a young lady that I met when I was, I had, when I went back to teach and, um, and she really wanted all our conversations to be about accomplishing X, Y, and Z. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't, I don't really want to do that. Like I don't, she was an aspiring school leader. I had already done that. Not at the level that she was aspiring. I will give that but the skill all is the same. I had already, for me, going after school leadership was never about status. It was about purpose. It's about doing something with it. And so I had I'd done it. And I'm still doing it, but just in a different way. And so that relationship never went because, and they said I was stuck up. It was just the weirdest thing. And so because I didn't honor that, I didn't play into that. I didn't, I didn't enter into those conversations. I didn't, and most of those conversations are about flexing. Who's going to, who can flex the most? I don't need to flex with you. See, that's the beautiful thing about having a portfolio of accomplishments. I don't have to open up my mouth. All you need to do is look at what I've done. That, my record speaks for me. Y'all hear the little bit of the arrogance in me? There it is, right? 
but I wasn't going. I didn't. I didn't want her and as a friendship with that. She said she was an INTJ. I okay, and I have met other INTJs that we just weren't going because you can hide away from that FI if you want. I don't want to do it. I want to be integrated and whole. And if you think that you're going to just live your life with the top of the stack and ignore those those other two functions, I don't. I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in that. So that didn't work out. So that's fine, you know. Um, but I think that that season was coming also from a place of me trying to play around with the four. You know, trying to embrace being different and embrace being okay with not um, achieving. And that didn't last long. <laughs> it did not last long. Although I still don't want to be governed. Like, I don't want to do community as an as achiever, an achiever. I just don't because my achievement isn't about people. At least my, in my mind. I need to study those three threes. Those, those, excuse me, you know, the subtypes. I'd be really curious to see what um, the subtype looks like. The variance. The sexual three, the social three, and the self-preservation three. I should look that up to see. But as I understand it, I no, I don't want to do heart with you. I don't want to bond and connect with you in achievement. I want you to respect what I've done, and I want you to respect what I can do. Like One of the things that I didn't enjoy when I was hanging out with my guy friend number one two days ago, and he was like all about sharing information and a lot of his information was like he gave me a couple of book titles I'm like oh that's good he gave me a few frameworks um so he was good but I'm like you know I don't need you sitting here giving me a lecture the whole time like I'm fairly knowledgeable right let's let's share this thing I share with you shit like let's share and learn together. Like I always tell people, I look when I sometimes I'll go. I look forward to learning and sharing with you. That means I'm going. I'm willing. I'm interested in learning from you, and I'm also interested in sharing. So if you can learn from me. I'm interested in that kind of exchange, that type of reciprocity. But if if that's one sided and all you think you're doing is, I'm just going to be in a, a relationship where I'm just learning from you. Well, that's about power, and I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in that at all. So. Anyway, I think in order for this the reflection to really be complete, I need to know those subtypes. And I'm so sorry that I don't have that. And I don't have the ability to um, to go look that up right now. That's so unfortunate. Let me see something. Hold on a second. Okay, so I just paused and went to look up uh, the subtypes and um, for the three. And it was interesting because... Um, one of the things that I say often is that with the Enneagram, with those instincts, my theory is that if you are a social in one, you should be a social in all three of the subtype, in all if in a tri-type, if that's a thing. That's kind of what I've been thinking. But as I was just reading about the subtypes for the three, the self-preservation um, subtype is one that you just can't they they never get enough security um um, so their achievement is about being secure and and to be successful is about being secure 
and you're never secure. You're never successful. You're always going to the next thing. And oh my God, can I see that in myself? Oh my gosh. And that's self-preservation. <laughs> and I say that I, I say that social is my is my subtype. So then I went to the social, um, the the sexual one. That's a clear no. The sexual three is all about being whatever the the role that society has given you. So if, if I'm a woman and I am, <laughs> then I'm going to really embody womanhood. And it makes me wonder about um, the husband and wife team because I believe. The wife is a three. I don't know what her subtype is, but so there are times when I just disagree, fundamentally disagree with them, particularly as it relates to these so, social constructs. And so there was a time she did an episode where she talked about the essence of a woman. I can't, I can't remember. I do not want to misrepresent her. I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was like, oh, no. And I just didn't even finish the episode. And I remember being in the chat room and I said it. And then somebody was like, you should, how do you know you don't agree with something unless you listen to it? And I'm like, I don't need to listen to her. I've heard that conversation before. That's not something new. I was just surprised that she said it. But I think it's something about womanhood, about being a woman and being feminine I don't know it it doesn't it does not resonate with my truth and so anywho um but that would make sense if she was a sexual three because that's what the description is like just you're gonna what does it mean to be this role that society gives you now you're gonna be it and you're gonna advocate for it and champion it and mm -mm. but anyway so that wasn't me but then when I think about when I read the social, there is a little bit of status. Like you have to make sure that in when, whatever group you're in, you're at, you're at the top. And as much as I don't want to say that that's me, I think about what, like if, if that weren't the case, I would be in somebody's classroom teaching and be a-okay. And for the most part, I can do it because it's three is not at the top of my stack. But I'm, it, I'm not, I, I'm not well there because I can accept that there's a principal or a district leader. I can accept that fully, but I'm not going to accept you coming and giving me advice and, and you give, you, you, you telling me something that's contrary to what I believe because you're a leader. You, Cause guess what? <laughs> I might be in this classroom, but I'm a leader too, you know? So, mm mm just know so as much as I don't want to embrace the social status me you know I guess as a if it's third in my stack then there there it is so so anyway <laughs> so I don't really know where this is gonna go you know it'll be interesting that like when I let this when I let this uh, reflection breathe and I leave it for a while and I come back to it it'll be interesting to see what my reflections are for the reflection because um, and maybe I have it wrong maybe doing hard work isn't maybe I shouldn't use that Enneagram 234 as a model maybe I don't know but that's what I'm going to think about for now And I'm, but I'm also going to continue to do some reading about 
what each of those numbers are in their in the higher self. Because that if I'm going to embrace and do any heart work, then I want to do it in the healthier the healthier realm, in the healthy realm or whatever. Um, I don't know. I'm I put I I hit pause. You I had you guys on pause for a few minutes. And I'm like, now that I'm at the end of this reflection, I'm wondering if that isn't the framework I should use. Because it's not me. I think if I'm going to... I think maybe maybe the two. Maybe the healthy two is the one that I want to pursue. Intimate. I don't... And maybe because I've done the com- competition. Maybe two and four. Maybe because I've done three. Maybe I need to play around in the three, the two and the four. The two being, you know, caring and nurturing, but making sure that I do it in a reciprocal way and making sure that when I enter into relationships that I'm going to do that kind of work with, that knowing that they can return that, that it can be reciprocal. And I think that that's like, that would be a good assignment for myself. So before you two it up, before you hard it up with somebody as a two, make sure they have the capacity and the readiness to, to reciprocate that. And then for four, I think, and I, you know, I, I think, I think my conversation about trauma is going to transfer. Like I, I think I processed as much as I, I'm, I need to analytically. I'm pretty sure something is going to come up in the world and I'm going to have to process it. But I think I'm ready to do something now with it. I don't, I understand it. Uh, you know, I understand it and I'm just ready to make better choices about the trauma and be a better version of myself. Um, I'm, so I'm ready to take that knowledge into the world and that, would really allow me to do heart as a four because I do come from this experience. So I'm probably going to be a little more sensitive about tr- trauma and toxic behaviors where somebody else might be like, whatever, I'm not going, I do, I'm not going to tolerate it. And so I think that four would also make me slow to enter into intimacy with people Making sure that they can understand what it's like. You know, do they have respect? And um, I don't even know if I need you to be sensitive to it, but you need to respect it. Um, Because I'm not going to push that away. I'm not going to hide from it. But, like, I don't think I need to... I don't think I... I don't think I need to blast it out. I'm, I'm almost ready to say... That I've already gone to the extreme of understanding the trauma and processing it and over-processing it. I'm almost, I think I'm almost ready to say I found my middle as it relates to being a survivor of the trauma. Almost there. I'm still in the thick of it in terms of, you know, with family and, and, um, and this illness, this terminal illness of our person. So it's, it's hard to kind of be healthy in an environment in an unhealthy environment. Um, so I, I, so I just want to say I'm almost ready, but if that feels good. So even, even though I said, maybe this is not the right framework, I think it's given me two assignments. I don't want to build intimacy off of the three. 
I think I want to use the two and the four to start looking at how to do heart work and how to have relationships with people so that I can kind of get into the social part um, of my design living, right? Because honestly, I don't want to be, I don't, I don't want to do intimacy with people who don't want to do hard work. Heart, which is hard. <laughs> hard work is hard. And um, so, yeah, I need, and I, and a part of me is like, oh, I would love somebody to bring that heart energy to me. But then that would mean I would outsource that to that partner. And I got to learn how to do it. So you guys. I was going to say watch this space, but you can watch this space because I, I want to take that assignment, those that assignment into the new year. And I don't know what we're going to do with it. I'm not making any hard objectives like that, but I am going to say it, a goal of mine would be to become more conscious of how I want to heart with people and center that heart work around the two, a healthy two and a healthy four. If this reflection has had any value for you, please give it a heart. <laughs> Speaking of heart or thumbs up or a like. If this conversation about design living and social and in making emotional connections, I feel like I talked a lot about emotions in the earlier reflection. This is the, I think this is my season to kind of, I think it's interesting that I've been processing social all season and I think we're getting to the place where it matters. Like what's going to make the difference? The heart. I think this is perfect, like right on time. But if this conversation about the heart and about doing relationships and different romantic, platonic, sexual, <laughs> um, if this conversation relates to a conversation you've had in the world, please take this link and share it with those participants. And if my moving about has caused some randomness in you, I would really love to hear it. Um, you can find me on my website at yournidown.wordpress.com. X, which is the former Twitter. I think that's so interesting that they named it X, though. But anyway, um, you're in I Down One on that platform and Facebook and YouTube. You're in I Down. Let me give you an assignment. I put you guys on hold, but really, I didn't need to. This is an easy assignment. How do you heart? How do you heart? Using the two, three, four as a framework. Do you heart in terms of loving on and nurturing and caring for others? as a two do you heart as in trying to show yourself as um superior having status do you connect with people as way of status um as a three or do you heart by leaning into your individuality and drawing clear distinctions between you and other people like how do you heart it's interesting that's an assignment I would love to hear the answer to, but that's your business. It's not my business, okay? Um, I meant to tell you guys in the housekeeping that I, I've always, I've always known this, but I guess I, I guess I forgot, um, if that makes sense. Um, so I do twenty-five episodes a season. Um, I thought I had only three episodes left because on one of the uh, on one dashboard that I have, it said I was at two seventy two. So at the end of the seven, at, at the end of the season, I should be at two seventy five. Excuse me, three seventy five. 
So I've been looking at this one dashboard that said, oh, I was at 272. That meant I had to do three episodes today. So I'm done two. Technically, I would have one more. Well, after I did the first one, I went to an, somewhere else on the, on the platform and I saw a different dashboard that said I was at 371. And I think that's the number you all see. Now, I did an re- episode that was 372, which would mean I have three more to do. So instead of me thinking I had three to do today, I had four. And I don't, the, the app will only let me do three in a day. So it's a lot still, you know, it's a lot to kick out the, and look how long it is. Like, I'm, I, gotta, I wanna just do my whole last day <laughs> talking to you all. I appreciate you being here, but, um, but anyway, what I would do if I weren't talking to you is I'd be journaling about what I'm going to be, what did I learn from the year and where am I going? So basically I'm doing all of that with you all instead of, because I'm probably not going to have any energy to do any of it privately. And so that's fine. It is what it is. So I definitely will be back for one more today. I should, I hope. And then um, I don't know what I'm going to do with that, that other one. Like, it looks like, yeah. Yeah, I guess I'm going to have to do one tomorrow. Well, anyway, I'll do it on the first of the year. I did that last year. Um, or I did it this year, but then you won't hear me for the month of January. So I have one more that I'll probably come back tomorrow and do. I have one more for today, cross your fingers, and then one more for tomorrow. And then I'll be quiet, and then you guys can get caught up on all of these episodes. At the, you know. But I hope that you do appreciate... Um, the work that I'm doing out loud with you all in real time. And I hope that it's helping you. And, you know, if you want to share how it's helping you, I would love to hear that. Um, it just feels good to know that as I'm growing and sharing out loud, um, that it's, it's helping somebody else. So, okay. Hey, you guys, it's been a pleasure hanging out with you. Until I come back, be well. Bye.